within the upper cannon's line of fire. <sighs> Ensign Newman, very carefully, put the Archangel into a barrel roll. Huh? Captain? Try getting them with the Gottfrieds. Natara, we only have one shot at this. <sighs> yes, ma'am, Captain. Ensign Newman, there's no problem, is there? No, Captain. Attention, all hands, prepare for barrel roll. All hands, brace for inversion and impact. I repeat, prepare for barrel roll. They must be crazy. And welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode podcast of all about Gundam Seed, where we watch every, every episode and then talk about it, and why we like it, and why Zach is tired today. My name is Jeremy. I summon from the abyss the great mech warrior. Oh, uh, wait. I forgot my cards. I'm Tyler. My soda's almost dry. My name is Zach. <laughs> I like the idea of not getting drank, but like slowly as you use it, it gets drier and drier <laughs> until it is just sand. Did, and then Anakin Skywalker hates it. Remember that like old cartoon trope from like Looney Tunes or something that was uh, the "No one knows how dry I am" song. I don't really like. It relates to what? being. I know it relates to being drunk somehow. I assume because you get like thirsty because you get dehydrated. I, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. It happened in a lot of Looney Tunes and was apparently like a thing out of the 50s or 40s. I think it was like a minstrel show act that they just picked up on. I don't know. Moral of the story is I don't under I never even as a kid understood how being dry related to being drunk. I guess like, I don't. I watched a lot of Looney Tunes and a lot of Tom and Jerry when I was younger. And I don't know what you're talking about. I, I will find a link in the far future when I make notes for this episode and find it for you. <laughs> Cartoon Network just started a stream for Looney Tunes and other cartoons of that vintage. Huh. What well, used to be like the Hanna-Barbera stuff? Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Boomerang was kind of that. Yeah, and then it became like cartoons from the 90s and early 2000s. Wait, Boomerang like, did? Yeah, Boomerang is like Dexter's Lab and Justice League now. So they're they're like 10 to 20 years back, however long that happens to be. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Dexter's Lab was great. It was. It was, in retrospect, hit and miss. It had like five or six like really, really good episodes. Yeah, but it also, yeah. I feel like it has more hits than misses. Yes, I, I think I agree. I just can't remember, like, I can't even remember what the misses were offhand. I just, like, remember a lot of mediocre episodes. There and certainly then, are some. Like, that one that was written by that kid and submitted... Like, the, you are stupid. Oh, that like, yeah, that was like, bad. Even as a kid, I was like, what is this? He won a contest, and they made a promise, and they kept their end of the bargain, for better or worse. But most of those episodes are pretty good. The, the time travel one is amazing. All the ones with Mandark are good. Even as a kid, that one about the termite that he found that's narrated by, like, an Italian guy for some reason made me cry, so. He loved Timmy the termite. And that D&D episode is also great. Oh, I forgot about that. That's actually pretty good. Generally speaking, I think most shows that incorporate some kind of weird D&D episode are pretty good. I mean, how many shows have... Community has one. I haven't seen it. I, yeah, I've heard that people like that. I'm just like, how many shows have a D&D episode? Oh, Stranger Things. That's, <laughs> That's like... an E.T. reference. <laughs> Wait, what? E.T.? Uh, yeah, no, because in E.T. they're playing Dungeons & Dragons at the start. Are they? Yeah, that's why Stranger Things are playing Dungeons & Dragons at the start. Oh, neat. I did not know that. I haven't seen E.T. since I was like eight. So. It's not worth really going back to, but... Although I learned today that the uh, main character kid in that, whose name I can't actually remember... 
Elliot, Elliot or oh, in Stranger Things? Uh, in, yeah, yes, Elliot from E.T. Um, doesn't actually have a last name. In the script or the actor does not have a last name? The, the character on screen is okay. never given a last name on screen. So, theoretically, the character has a last name that might be in the script somewhere, but we don't know it from watching the movie. I feel like that's true of most characters in most movies. That is true. Like, maybe or, Bruce or Willis in Fast and Furious. He Does he even have a name in that movie, or is he just the bald guy who uh, drives a car? I said maybe Bruce Willis. Bruce think, Willis isn't in the Fast. I think it's Jason Statham. Think- yes, it is Jason Statham. But I don't know, like, I know literally nothing about those films. I know they realized they were parodying themselves at some point, and then they became gr- great, and that's all I know about that series. Nah. I know there's a part where The Rock decides he needs to get back into action, it flexes so hard his cast comes off, and then he goes to help Vin Diesel. Yeah, no, this sounds awesome. Also, you're invincible. We were talking about this a few episodes yeah. of uh, last time ago. Like, you're invincible as long as you're in your car. As soon as you get outside of your car, though, you're fair game. Yeah, I know. And if the actor who plays you dies, you're in trouble. <laughs> I think that might qualify as near, nearly too soon. Okay. Wait, what? Paul Walker died during the filming of the last movie. I have no idea who that person is. He's one of the main characters of Fast and... Or he was one of the main characters in Fast and Furious movies. To be fair, I did preface this entire discussion with my knowledge of those series is that maybe it has Bruce Willis in it? Yeah, Yeah. he he died in a car accident. And the third one is about different characters in Tokyo in the future. (laughs) Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. That is literally what it's called. That's where that joke comes from. Damn it. (laughs) Did you not know that? No. No, I didn't. I knew there was a bad Need for Speed game called Tokyo Drift. I don't think there no, is. No, there's not. Yep. We, will sh- tell this, we can tell you you're wrong about this later. <laughs> for now, there's some semi-exciting news that is not news to anyone who's listened to this podcast, because I've said it on every episode. But now Gundam Seed is available on Hulu, so I have somewhere to tell you where to watch it. Yay! Have you said this on every episode? You will, will have, have retroactively, because <laughs> we haven't released this show yet. <laughs> So we have. So he's cheating. Yep. We have honestly one of the weaker episodes in the series, not the weakest. I don't even think it's worse than that uh, asteroid episode we already saw. But I don't much care for this episode. I mean, Galaga Fighter Kigali just is really <laughs> underwhelming. But we'll She's get there. She's over two. I guess she kind of succeeded her mission on both launches. <laughs> What was her was mission? Landing. She's she's really good at Microsoft Flight Sim. It's just landing that she's not good at. I feel like this one she actively even screws up because Moo's like, you know what? You're more trouble than it's worth right now. Just go hang yeah. out on an island with Atherin. And <laughs> we'll talk about that later when we get to it. But yeah. <laughs> but the first time she's pretty competent, she destroys like all the cannons on that battleship. That's and true. And then goes down. In this one, she does she literally... She anti-submarine missile. That is true, which kind of annoys the submarine. It forces it to surface. Yeah, which then gives Moo the shot. She's like, oh, I see the submarine right there. I hope it doesn't surface right this second. Ah, it surfaced. Pull up. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we got more uh, water combat in this episode, and uh, we, we got to sell these sweet new underwater motor mobile suits. And according the Zeno. You mean the, 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 the Zeno, uh, but in the English dub, they literally pronounce it differently every time it comes up. <laughs> Zeno. You mean the Z-yes. <laughs> no, it's, this episode is Zono! It's the Zono! <laughs> Zonos. Uh, also Doms. Dims. I'm trying to determine whether or not I think that's better or worse than the goons. I just... Zono. <laughs> I feel... I like the goons 
design more. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode, I guess. But the name, an Admiral Beardy guy, I don't even remember his name. My name is Admiral Beardsley. And I hate Raula Crusay for no adequately explained raisin. <laughs> no, he hates Admiral, he, he hates Ad, uh, Le Crusay because everyone hates Le Crusay. Except for his protégés who don't realize they should hate him because they're teenagers. Although, can you imagine being in an actual proper military hierarchy and there's this one guy who just wears a mask all the time. You're like, dude. And he's in charge. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and he doesn't wear a uniform. Stop being a pretentious dick. And the, he's like, make me. I'm sub-admiral. <laughs> I'm friends with the military, with the high brass. <laughs> I'm friends with the president-elect. <laughs> <laughs> not even the president. The president-elect. He's not even the president-elect yet. He's running. Yeah. <laughs> Is he even running yet? Has the election cycle yeah, yeah, even started? Yeah, talking about how he's more popular and he's probably going to... Oh, uh, so I assumed that this was like pre... like. I think the election is start. It's like, like the campaign. Yeah, I assumed this was like primary season and yeah, people were voting for... all the for... polls are like, oh man, that Pat guy. He's way better than a seagull. <laughs> that of Pat course, guy. his name's easier to pronounce. He's got this. He's got. He, but that's just a theory, a war theory. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> Thanks for bombing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are watching episode twenty-three, "Fateful Encounter," which you can watch on Hulu for a like eight seven ninety-nine, I think, along with some other Gundam series, and probably and- you know all the other stuff that's on Hulu. If you have Hulu, it's definitely worth it. And if you don't have Hulu, I don't know what your money situation is, but it might be worth looking into. You could also watch Gundam Wing, but I don't recommend that. <laughs> you can also watch OHMS Team, and I do kind of recommend that. Do they have Gundam Build Fighters? No, but that's on YouTube. I really like OHMS Team. I do actually have one last thing before we start, and it's really quick. Is uh, I have an anime-loving coworker who has never even heard of G Gundam. I'm like, what? No, you don't understand. G Gundam is not a Gundam. He's like, I never really got into Gundam. I'm like, G Gundam is not a Gundam show. It, it really is, a- is, though, because Gundam shows are about shitty teenagers finding out what their place is in life and becoming <laughs> like respectable, contributing members of society. And Domun Kashu is a shitty teenager who treats his girlfriend like crap and slowly learns to appreciate her after a Sailor Moon tries to seduce him. He's a... He- <laughs> It's a martial arts mecha anime. It's weird as a hell. Is that available on Hulu? No. Fist of the Gundam East. Gundam is gone forever, I think. <laughs> no! <laughs> D- well, so I described the main character as Domon, have you seen my brother Kashu? Yeah. Because that is his name. <laughs> if that ever is re-released, I'm buying that as soon as I can. My problem is, like, I, I'm a little afraid because I think G Gundam is better in my head for all the memes I've developed Probably, than it actually is. but it's it- like, it's better than Gundam Wing. That's fair. It's really bad, but it's freaking amazing because of it. I mean, like, there's not much pathos to it, but that's not what you like about it, so... I, it's pretty episodic. There is a lot of, have you seen my brother? Okay, shining finger. But... <laughs> what, you're a clown? Okay. If he's alive, bring him to me. If he's dead, kill him. Denmark Gundam. Uh, it's see, literally right. a, windmill. It's a windmill. No, that's Holland. No, yeah, that's, yeah, it's Holland. It's it, Neo Holland. It's, it's Neo Holland, yeah. Oh, okay. Neo Sweden with Sailor their Moon Sailor Gundam. Moon Gundam. Because obviously... Because Sweden has hot babes, right? And Vikings, so the pilot is a berserker. Oh, that's why she's... It didn't even occur to me. Dang it. They, they have a Sailor Moon Gundam that has a Viking mode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's no worse than Neo Germany's Ninja Gundam. Meanwhile, <laughs> in the Sailor Moon Viking AU... <laughs> Ray fits right in. That is gr- That would be great. I know, right? Anyway. I can't imagine Am- Viking Ami, but Viking Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus would be amazing. 
All right. So, yeah, with that, we are going to watch episode 23, Fateful Encounter, which you can find on Hulu. So the episode begins with some shots of Zaft ships and uh, Captain Nadell, who we haven't seen in a while, because uh, Atherin and Nickel are getting dropped down to Earth with some gins and presumably some pilots. Yeah, presumably there are some rusties in those. Wouldn't um, they, they make a point of the gins being like space suits? So why are they sending them gins? Well, we also will find out it's implied in this episode. We don't really see it until later. They have adaptation craft for them so that they can fight in atmosphere. And I presume it is easier to drop gins than to produce new mobile suits. Yeah, probably. But like, I don't know what their production is like on Earth. Yeah, given that they don't technically hold Earth. They hold some bases. For they instance, have Gibraltar. We know they have uh, Carpentaria. So they have at least two. Okay, so for my and own... They, they were trying to hold the place the Desert Dawn liberated. Nebulous desert in Africa. Desert base. So, for my own edification, where is Carpentaria? I'm not sure. Yes. Okay. Is that like Phoenicia? Greece? Persia? I don't actually know. I feel like that's a place that the rest of the world calls a region that us in the U.S. do not. That's because so we're American. The Gulf of Carpentaria is in Australia, and that would be about yep. the right place, so it's going to be somewhere around Australia and New Zealand. Okay. But it's also like uh, the Atlantic Federation is just kind of America and Canada and South America, I think, <laughs> except for the Kingdom of the Equator. What is, is Orb? Is that, is that Mexico? Orb is space Japan. Obviously. Japan always is always like, we're neutral because we don't have an army for attacking people. It's only for defense. Yeah, Orb is very politically Japan. And also, you know, they make the best stuff. Like Japan. The best at stuff. Least fantasy, at least Japan in their own fantasy. They must have been nuked. <laughs> so we cut from space to a base of the uh, Earth Alliance, uh, and this is one of the first times we've seen the Earth Alliance military separate from the Archangel. We saw them a little bit when they went to that Eurasian asteroid base. We saw them a little bit when they met up with the Admiral. But this is kind of the first time we're just seeing some Federation soldiers, some high brass. Sorry, just to sidetrack really quickly, I'm noticing, I, I wasn't really paying attention to this map super well, but there is a lot more water in Africa than I'm used to there being in reality. Because that's where the Sahara Desert would normally be. Yeah, so something happened. is great? Yeah, I guess, or maybe it's an alt alternate history where that just I, was never a desert? What is that series that does the... Commentary on movies from silhouettes in front of them. Mystery uh, Science Theater? Yeah. MST3K. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, because that's what I'm getting the uh, very <laughs> MS. in front of <laughs> yeah. the map. Uh, this is interesting to me, because by this point in the original series, the white base had met up with the main military. They were getting resupplies. They were kind of an autonomous unit, but they were taking orders and getting resupplies and new units from the military at this point, whereas the Archangel still needs to, isn't going to get that until it gets to Jabir, Alaska. Taking advantage of the fact that they don't have command of the air to drop supplies and reinforcements. They're yeah. using their air mortality to their advantage. That's a joke only you and I will like, but I approve. <laughs> I, I find that kind of amusing. The brass is talking about their plan, and we get some more stuff on Operation Spitbreak, which I entirely missed the first time I watched this episode, where they say they're probably going to attack Panama because that's the only spaceport the Earth Alliance has left. Zaft has destroyed their other ones. So is that operation, or part of Operation Spitbreak, is diminish the Earth Federation's ability to launch into well, space? Or? This is, the Earth Federation is speculating that this big operation that they don't know is Spitbreak. The goal of it is going to be to take Panama, which is their last spaceport, and therefore the last place from which they can launch weapons into space. And that would pretty much entirely make them unable to launch an offensive against Zaft, 
which is mostly a space-based nation. And then this after would nuke Earth. Potentially. Although it has end jammers all over it, so that would disable the nukes. It disables nuclear fission. Ah. Uh, they are magic. Uh, they are magic. <laughs> you can't have nukes devices, okay? Oh, okay. I mean, I feel like nukes in the age of spacefaring societies are not that dangerous. So, I don't know. It seems like a weird... It depends. They're nukes are still going to be incredibly powerful. Culture. That's true. They're, they still hit really hard. And the reason that Zap did it was to disrupt energy. Like, that was an offensive move that also would stop them from shooting nukes at Zaf, which they had done. So, yeah, we get some uh, perspective on the Earth forces and where they are, and a bunch of nameless general guys. And the fancy new background, well, new-ish background scenes in the opening. Well, yep, the ones they redid for the HD version. Yeah, featuring water. And, you know, bouncing. Well, you know. Lots of bouncing. I just, man, it's so bad. It's so tasteless is really yep. the thing. And it's a show that's otherwise about serious and, themes. Oh, God, that water looks terrible. HD it remake, Zach. <laughs> it still makes me giggle because I'm entirely that mature. To be fair, though, the thing I really think sets Gundam Seed apart from the other series is its sexuality. Like, it's willing to go there and explore there. And it does it, I don't want to say super realistically. It's but just that in the intro like that, it's, it's so tasteless. Yes, it's it the intro absolutely. point that makes me giggle because of the fact that, like Tyler said, it is so absurdly tasteless. Yes, exactly. And, like, that's just the way we go. Gundam Seed Destiny is coming one day. <laughs> Everyone will be naked at all times. It will not make any sense. Even Moo? I want more naked Moo. Uh, so, <laughs> we, speaking of naked Moo, he is uh, nakedly talking to Maru Ramius and being like, hey, um, so they probably had a submarine, right? Because they would have ran out of gas if they came all the way from Carpentaria. And we would have noticed, like, a spaceship or a water ship. We just have, <laughs> a water ship. We just have no, we're no good at underwater ships. And then the poor guy at the radar sneezes because he... Sonar. Yeah, sorry, sonar. The newly added sonar that Kira magicked up somehow. So Moo's like, well, so if we get in another fight, we're going to have to destroy that submarine. And Maru's like, yeah, I know, but how? And he's like, don't worry, we'll do our best. And she's like, gee, thanks, Moo. <laughs> <laughs> the animation on that particular scene, it's like, it's zoomed out. And the animation for both Moo and uh, Maru, Maru are just, it's really bad. Yeah, they're a little bit off model. And until it gets close up, like, I feel like two different studios did the different perspectives. Yeah, it probably. It's fine when it's zoomed in, but when it's zoomed out, it just, it looks really bad, especially in comparison with the rest of the series. Although I do like the fact that Moo at the end of their conversation is like, don't sweat and like taps Maru on the nose and walks away. And at first she's like exasperated and then she smiles and walks off. So then we cut from them to cute couple Flay and Kira. Flay who is sick. Seasick, apparently. Well, Kira's saying he doesn't think that's what it is, but she thinks that's what it is. So Kira's, like, trying to tend for her, but is, like, very clearly feeling awkward about it. Well, like, clearly he wants to go play video games or something, but his girlfriend's... He wants to go sulk. It's Kira <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm not sure how a ship like that would be swaying in the... enough yeah. to notice in the first place. Yeah, I think that's... She's just got a cold or something, and she's just like, oh, I'm probably seasick. And Kira's like, eh, probably not. So she's like, yeah, boyfriend, get me juice. And he's like, oh, yeah, any excuse to leave. And she's like, also, demanding girlfriend noise. And he's <laughs> like, uh, sigh of exasperation. So of speaking exasper of sigh, <laughs> we cut to the mess hall where Sai and Cuzzy are talking. Cuzzy's like, hey, we should go stop by Orb. Sai's like, Cuzzy, we are in the military. That is not how it works. <laughs> and Kigali's very intensely drinking water behind them. 
And because he's like, but we were supposed to go to Alaska and we're all the way here. Don't you think they'll make an exception? And yeah, so because like, that's how military operations work. Meanwhile, Kagali's like, secret backstory noise. And Rambo's like, I know, but I'm grumpy about it. And she's like, yeah, but I should tell them if it's dramatically appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm irrationally attached to the ship. And by that, I mean, I want to bone the Gundam pilot. I mean, what? Baka. So, <laughs> so the English dub translates it in a way that's of that, but the original, uh, to me, reads more as she's very interested in the strike and the archangel specifically. Yeah, and I think that's more what we're supposed to be getting out of it. But the, in the English dub, she says, and the crew. So it does come off as very, um, and I want some, you know, some sweet, funky music to play <laughs> when I go into Kira's room. Speaking of sweet, funky music, Kira passes Kigali in the hallway. They just say hi to each other. But then Kigali just stares after him with like this dead gaze. Well, someone is clearly <laughs> more more happy to see the other person because we have the subtitles turned on, and one is "Hi!" exclamation point, and the other one is "Hi!" period. <laughs> well, I mean, Kira's distracted. He needs to get back to sulking and or his girlfriend, and Kigali's too Both. busy swearing at or staring at Kira's sweet ass as he walks by. We have established that, like Archie Andrews, Kira has a sweet ass. <laughs> <laughs> lingers on her smile especially too. with the zoom in it's a little <laughs> and rambo looks on disapprovingly to each of them <laughs> so then he walks into the mess hall and sai gets kind of sulky and then kira gets sulky as well and kind of you know goes by but muriel is like hey how's flay and kira's like yeah you know she's groaning <laughs> she's got some medicine but She's not feeling better. And because he's the worst, he's like, Sai, isn't this super the awkwardest? <laughs> and Sai's so like, this suck. So I was like, I suck too much anyway. It's fine. I read this more as Sai, like, be, just like putting up with it and being like, like there's no, you, nothing I, I can do about it anyway. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling that he's trying to uh, be the bigger man from when he was actually kind of thrown in the brig for letting it get to him earlier. Clearly they all want to put this under the bridge, but they're all awkward teenagers who can't talk to each other about it, and Sai had his temper tantrum, right? And yeah. And he's kind of through that. After, you know, falling face first in a mobile suit. Well, you know, he can't pilot them. He's not, he's not even a Mula Flaga, and Mula Flaga can't pilot. Have you seen what that kid did to the OS? So then we cut to Jib Zaf Gibraltar base. We get some uh, gin Gins. shots, some dins. And even a goon. The the way they're kind of arranged makes it look like they're all hanging out having a smoke break. <laughs> Yo. So Kieran uh, and the news no. Ooh. Buy it now, kids. Nine ninety nine in stores. <laughs> so Nickel and Athern are going to meet up with Raul Crusade and their good old teammates Isaac and Diarca, who they haven't seen in a while. And Isaac's like, I'm the red Oni, and Diarca's like, I'm the blue Oni. Isaac's all like, Ah, boss, send us to go fight the strike and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And Diarca's just kind of chilling out. He's like, hey, yeah, like, I show up? Yo. Is like, or Diarca's sitting in the back of the class. But Isaac no. is angrily getting up and walking over to Rao. He's in the He's in the front row. Yeah, I know. It's just but, like, he's so far back the way it's shot. Yeah. As uh, Nicola and Isaac come in, and they have, you know, a nice anime uh, reaction to Isaac's scar, which Rao Recruce, like uh, Andrew Walt felt before him, exposits. He's like, oh, he doesn't want to get rid of the physical scar until he destroys the strike. And therefore, the emotional scar. Meanwhile, Athrun's thinking about it really hard, and Nickel's like, uh, you're blocking the door. I want to go <laughs> sit down. <laughs> Move. Laura says, like, yeah, but they want to do... Carpentaria's going to shoot him down, because that's where they are. But Isaac's like, no, personal vendetta. And Diarca's like, I agree, they suck. <laughs> I have a bone to pick with the Archangel's main guns. <laughs> I couldn't think of the 
the <laughs> name the, of uh, them. The Lohengrins? Yeah, the Godfreeds. Uh, Rob Crusade's like, yeah, I agree, but I have, like, business stuff to do with Operation Spit Break. But I guess I could send you guys. Sending a bunch of teenagers on their own to destroy a ship we couldn't beat? That, I don't see how that could go wrong. Atherin, you're in charge. <laughs> That's certainly not a political move that he's setting up for at all, is it? Well, so why It's not we... a bad move either. Yeah, I was going to say, for Rob Crusade is very much a chaos is a ladder. That's his, um, his point of view is if I create chaos, I will come out on top. So I'm curious why he chooses Ather. So because like Atherin said, is the logical choice to yes, lead the th- group. That's certainly so. part of it. But also, he knows Atherin has a problem with shooting at Kira. That's why. Is because Atherin's the most qualified of the group. Diark is clearly, like, he's very Diarch good at what he does. Passive. But he, like, no, I was going to say, he's very good at what he does. But he's not really a leader. Isaac's too much of a hothead and doesn't actually really lead and anything. Nichols definitely too passive. And Nichols just a follower, whereas Atherin is most qualified, but because he's got a problem shooting at Kira, it's going to create tension within the group, and so it's going to Isaac, force them to fight. Isaac clearly thinks he should be in charge, right? Even though he will make so only rash decisions. no command experience in command of him, like, Isaac is going to challenge Atherin, obviously. Like, I agree with you. Diarca would be... is like, the most qualified, I think, from a know-how standpoint, but he has the personality problem. He's not going to boss people around. He's not going to be good at giving orders. He's going to be good at thinking of plans. Diarca strikes me as the kind of guy who would work for a fairly good non-commissioned officer in a, in a second-in-command he, type of like role. He's like almost a move to the team, right? He's like, the, eh, it'll work out. We should probably destroy that submarine. <laughs> and he's he's... He's very good at what he does. He's a very good soldier, but he's not a leader. He's not a leader yeah, so much. But Atherin really hasn't shown much leadership either. That is true. Although he's also the son of the yeah, current uh, political rival. But he's also really level headed. Yeah. I and, mean of the group for the he's most obviously time, the correct choice. We we've seen him very level headed, so he he's also the protagonist one. He's got the one that's got PC above his head. Isaac is clearly upset with his appointment. Yark is like, oh no, Isaac's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do like his expression. Uh, oh, this is going to be bad. Atherin's like, wait, I'm in charge? And Laroku says like, yeah, you can do it. You're the best, Atherin. See my Mulaflaga-style leadership? I got to go to that other conference room to have a chat there. <laughs> I, get the, I get the feeling that Crusade is leaving going, this is going to be funny. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that is part of his motivation, too. And Isaac and Erica are kind of snippy about it, and Atherin has some flashbacks to Crusade telling him, hey, you better shoot your friend down or he'll kill you. Which is exactly what Crusade wanted him to be thinking about at that moment, so. Yep. So, meanwhile, uh, the plot needs to advance very quickly, and uh, two goons have shown up on the Archangel Sonar. I feel like this is an RPG. All of a sudden, it's like, well, random encounter in the ocean. Goon time! Yeah, like I said, like, this, when I said these episodes aren't my favorite, I wish they could combine them into one. I understand why they can't. They need to do a little too much. You need the, like, confrontation between Flay, Kigali, and Kira. You kind of need to establish Beardo, but the two fights don't do a lot for me. Especially the second one is kind of underwhelming by comparison to the first one, but... We'll get there. The first one's not very good either. No, it's I not. I think the staging of the first one is pretty good and interesting. This fight has almost nothing going. And it's uh, over so fast. So yeah, Archangel Earth, the level one battle station. And Flay's like, yeah, Kira, you gotta go. I'll be okay. Beat them all up. <laughs> the <laughs> demon uh... wants blood. <laughs> blood for the blood god. Skulls for the skull throne. Well, so, and Kira's like, get some rest. And... Which I find a little dissonant, because they're in the middle of being attacked, and Kira's like, go well, ahead and sleep. It's not like she has a job to be doing anything else. 
Yeah, and she is sick. So, like, that's, like, arguably the best thing you can do in that situation is recover, even if she did have a job. But... Well, not if they're as shorthanded as they True. apparently no, my, are. My problem is they're under attack, and his advice is go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that way she won't know when they all die. <laughs> so Kira awkwardly runs into Sai, Kezi, and Muriela in the hall. But Sai, again, trying to be the bigger man, kind of says, hey, I'm counting on you. Do, do a good job. Which I do like, because Sai is very clearly, like, the leader of this group of friends, even though he's kind of a passive player in the series as a whole. And, I, like, I felt like this affected Kira negatively, but maybe it's because he's been hanging out with Flay too no, much. No, it's just because it's, it's a rough It's just awkward thing. for all of them. And, yeah. like, I think Kira's like, uh, what do I do? And Because Sai is clearly extending the olive branch, as it were, but it's still awkward. And I think Kira feels kind of bad about it because it is really on his end. And he also is kind of doesn't feel that way about Flay so much even more, which makes it more awkward because in a way he's kind of hurting side for no reason from that point of view i i also should have mentioned maybe that the archangel is trying to stick the shallow waters to avoid this submarine which is perfect for this new zono buy it now at i-99 at target <laughs> <laughs> zonos that's actually zinc oxide is what that is <laughs> yeah, it is z and capital o so it's like lara kusay landed today so i should murder you that makes sense they really shouldn't be having this many different things, because holy crap, that would cost a fortune to keep in the field to have that many different suits with that many different spare parts. Which is, like, the reason uh, Xeon falls canonically, is they spent too much money on producing different models, when is if they just made Zaku's, they probably would have been fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but this isn't Xeon. Like, two water mobile suits doesn't seem like too much to me. Like, you could argue one's a commander type, even. But neither of them are super great or interesting. But one like, has missile arms. They both have missile arms. <laughs> and Maria's like, hey, remember that part where we don't park in the water where there are torpedoes can hit us? Do that. Unfortunately, the Archangel apparently handles like a whale in atmosphere. Well, yeah, that makes sense. That's a hell of a lot of mass. I like how they fire the... What are those called? The Valiants? The rail guns on the side? Yeah. The Valiants. They impact the water and explode, which is... I think it's more like the water is like being kicked up but from the shell hitting. So that's the way i always always seen it. But there's like fire in there. It's also entirely possible if the shell just hit, exploded on impact. Yeah, is it an incendiary round? Because like modern rail guns that we actually use just fire like chunks of metal. Yeah, because putting any kind of explosive into a rail gun is just asking for it to explode in the barrel. Exactly, which is why I'm wondering why they're doing it here. <laughs> it's also entirely possible that they hit somebody. That is true. So Kira's decided to go with the sword strike making sure every video game water level you use the sword strike. (laughs) (laughs) His reasoning is kind of okay. It's got that harpoon, and then he can just use the sword as a sword because it's sharp. Gundam harpoon! And I do like seeing the sword strike, but eh. So, uh, meanwhile, Mu is about to take off, and Kigali is arguing with Murdoch about how he should let her her take the other plane because they're shorthanded, and if they all die, her ghost is going to haunt him, which he'll be dead too, so... (laughs) It's not a very apt threat. It's very Kigali. Yes, <laughs> it is. And Murdoch's like, what do you say, boss? Moo, you're technically the highest ranking officer. She's like, well, she has a point. She kind of helped last time she was in the jet, so I guess I can't, go. I can't fly too, fly too craft at the same time. <laughs> I'm working on it. I don't have that feet yet. <laughs> I can't dual wield. <laughs> and and Moo, very nonchalantly, very Moolaflog is, be like, you're going to battle, you die. Remember that. And Kali's like, stop treating me like I'm five. God damn well, it. <laughs> I, I, like, I like how he calls her girl. And 
her retort is, my name is Kigali, because that is also a very Kigali thing to respond to that in this situation, and also a very mood thing to ignore it. This is a completely random thing, and maybe I've just never noticed this before, but has Murdoch's scarf always been fuzzy? Yes. Okay. So now we <laughs> very quickly get the act break. This episode is going at a breakneck pace, and it's not terrible, but it's not super exciting either. It's another reason why I almost wish they combined these into two. It seems like there's not quite enough for this stuff. Which is weird, like, they're shoving a lot of content into a short amount of time, but none of it's interesting content, really. Well, some of the, the Atherin stuff, the t- Zala yeah. team forming, that's all pretty but interesting. But all the Beardy guy attack, just... Yeah, Captain Beard sucks. It just seemed like the GM needed to make something yeah. explode. <laughs> like, they know that Walt Felt's ghost that Kira feels bad about killing is a more interesting villain than Captain <laughs> Beard <laughs> Everyone, thanks for listening in to this episode, which I've decided to call in my head, Captain Beardy's Last Fight. I don't know that we have any particular business to get to in this episode. I do want to give a shout out to all of our listeners who have been talking to us and each other in our Discord. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth about Dokkan Battle recently, and just like some good general nerd stuff. And I'm really into it. So, thanks for, like, listening to us, and also, like, engaging in our little community of nerd people. Thanks. Also, I have a not-so-secret side project that may or may not come to fruition. I'm trying to find out whether Gundam Seed spends the most time of any Gundam series over the water. And specifically, as kind of a result of that, which series does? I don't think it's Gundam Seed, actually. The original Gundam might beat it out by a substantial margin. But we'll find out. Anyway, I'm going to let you get back to the action and get ready for some fancy flying. So when we're back from the uh, eye catch, we get some cool shots of goons jumping out of the water to shoot missiles, at least. So majestic. And Maru's like, random evasive maneuvers. Which they've done before. They have like a random evade program. We get the Sky Graspers launching. I kind of like this because when we see Kigali's launch, she's like clearly surprised by the G-forces, which is a cool shot, but she's piloted this before. I was going to comment on that, actually. It almost feels like the writers forgot Kigali has done this before in a lot of places in this episode. Although maybe she's still not used to it because this is only the second time she's launched, so. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I got. And this is the first time she's wearing actual battle gear. Yeah, because the first time she basically just kind of stole it. And actually, she wasn't actually on the catapult the last time, was she? Uh, how else would she have gotten out? I don't know. I, I just I don't remember them actually showing her on the catapult. They might not have. The strike launches into the water. I'm a little more okay with it this time because they've established it's shallow. Yeah, it's just in before it was in, like in the middle of the ocean. And there's a really cool shot when it launches of it blocks a harpoon with that little sword shield and uses its uh, Vulcans, which is something I always appreciate. It's something Gundam Seed is good at incorporating those guns. I'm I'm with Jeremy. I'm a little bit more okay with the fact that he's using the strike in the water again, but I still would rather him have a tether somewhere along the line because it's not supposed to be able to really be work in the water. Yeah, in my head cannon, he can just use his harpoon to like shoot the archangel and grappling hook up. But so they really, don't really establish how strong that tether is, though. No, but he uses it on other mobile suits. So to pull him around, yeah. Oh, I don't remember. I didn't remember that. I just. 
we get the shot of like the transport ship, and man, this looks like a retarded bird. It looks I like just... a Xeon transport it, ship. It, it, it looks like they got some footage from Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> We're like, we need to save money for the next episode. This will work. <laughs> it looks very green, ugly design. This is a Zaf transport ship, it, by the way. We've cut back to Gibraltar. It's a big, fat-looking, stylized well, like... bird-looking C-130 thing. Yeah, it's like someone had a plane. And then got another plane, and then and put one dinosaur. On, <laughs> <laughs> put one plane on top of another plane and give it a neck. I just this thing got an observation deck. So we see three of them launching, and then Atherin gets a call. It's like, oh, sorry, yours is broke. We're gonna have to <laughs> wait a little while. My question here is, why exactly do they have to transport these mobile suits? One by one, but all of the planes have a lot of seats on them. Well, and also, like each pilot is only on one plane. Yeah, it it seems horribly inefficient. If you're moving teams of four people around, you'd think your drop craft that can transport them would be able to well, transport you see, they four understand mobile suits. That they're brooding teenagers, so this lets them brood in peace. <laughs> but those those aircraft are so big. To some extent, I, I was thinking about uh, like generational gaps of high schoolers recently, and this is very much a product of the two thousands because everyone's emo. <laughs> a bit for sure i mean i can i kind of like the idea that mobile suits are so big you can only transport one at a time like this but yeah we don't it re- does seem a little weird and in particularly atherne's breaking so he's left behind seems real convenient but i actually kind of wish here that like Raoul the crusade had held him back to talk to him about something the reason why it's just weird that they wouldn't be able to transport more than one is because these guys have been using mobile suits since the beginning so their trans know. their transport craft still though if you're they have all these specific earth based mobile suits <laughs> like Fair. the goons and the gins but the uh, the bakus went in those like sand tank carrier <laughs> things yes I'm aware of that but you'd still think that their aircraft would be able to transport more than one at a time it is a little weird yeah but yeah Atherin has to wait he has to wait in the waiting room. <laughs> He's got a comfy chair, at least. No chairs behind the desk, but... <laughs> and why exactly is the commanding officer the last guy to leave? Oh, leave from the rear. Yeah, I was actually just about to say that. Like I said, I really wish this had been, like, Raoul the Crusade giving him some, like, last advice. Because that would make a lot of sense. Raoul the Crusade is totally the kind of guy who would, like, hold you back for that. And it explains things. So we get this uh, shot of the strike, or, or the sword strike activating its sword underwater without the activation, which just looks awkward. But gotta get that uh that pre-done footage in. Yeah, except they like put a filter and a background over it. <laughs> well, they the background is clearly separate from the animation. Done that trick a lot. There is some cool stuff with it fighting some goons with it using its shield, which I really appreciate. That little shield getting used. Don't like that it, they have him using his Vulcans underwater because those kind of rounds are not going to work underwater. That's not how that yeah, works. Yeah, they slow down really quickly. If nothing else, they could probably still fire. Well, if they're depending well on depending on the velocity, they're probably not going to actually get out of the barrel because the barrels would be full of water I so the combustion that. would ex- it explode and then they'd fire straight into a basically concrete block Gundam rules are pretty much projectiles work underwater beams don't so I'm willing to go with those rules it seems like it should be the other way around actually uh, yeah I'd believe it more often if it was the other way around Alright, so Captain Beardy comes in at ramming speed after Kira's like, you so, guys attack the ship, I got him. I will admit, I did not realize this was a captain, I thought this was some random mook. No, this is Captain Beardy. Yeah. He's got laser claws. Is this a suit that is reminiscent of one from Xeon? Yeah, the- it's kind of like the Zagok. Yeah, I was um, gonna say the Gog. Oh, the Gog, the goon is more the Gog. That is true, but it's got like the big old laser hand. This things. is more like the Zok, which is like a mobile armor Zeon used in one episode that was amphibious. 
Mm. The episode where they got to Jaburo, actually. So it's kind of, sort of, it's a little more original. I don't care for the design at all. So really quick, mm. I, I might have to pull up this frame whenever we're making show notes. Look at his forearm. What is that? Lunch. <laughs> it's his, it's the lunch pouch on their on their uh, flight suits. Like I understand they're trying to make him look well muscled, but it looks like he has this weird deformity on his arm where he has like a pyramid. He it's has a tumor. That's why he's such a bad villain. <laughs> it's a tumor. Remember, kids, Zeno. <laughs> oh, Zeno. So clobber sword, which is a cool idea, but yeah, this fight doesn't do much for me. I do like the physicality of the Zeno and how strong it feels, but it just looks like a big fat guy. Yeah. So we cut back to the Archangel trying to take evasive maneuvers, and Maru says, evade 20 degrees, and I thought, or roll 20 degrees, and I thought she was saying roll a d20 for evasion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it'd be a hell of a hard time for the opponents to figure out where so you are. We get Tarl shouting attack orders and Flay on the ship being like, oh my god. <laughs> it's swaying now. Yes. Meanwhile, Kigali and Mu are looking for the submarine, and, uh, Moo's like, where is that Neko-chan? Kigali's like, Neko-chan? Or in the, in the American dub, he goes, where is that puppy? <laughs> what? He's like, puppy? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Either is confusing, frankly. Yeah. He's like, what is this with your old man terms, old man? <laughs> I, I just like the translation called it a kitty cat. I know that's what Neko-chan is <laughs> in, in that, but it's just amusing. The whole thing's confusing. Gundam Harpoon, nope. which I... Denied. Ramming speed. I forgot he had this. I know he's used it once before, but... It's a cool idea. I feel like this is the fight where it gets the most use, which is too bad because it's not very effective. But I do like the rocks on the ground. I like this battlefield. So, meanwhile, Atherin gets on his plane, gets in the one seat on, like, the six-seater bus <laughs> with the two pilots up front. He sits in the very back, too, if you notice. There's a wall there, right there, Yeah, him. but there's another uh, section of seats behind that bulkhead that he came through. Ah, uh, okay. So the submarine is like, hey, should we send those dins out? Sadly, there's no DaCosta on the submarine. Or similar character for us to care about. I've got coffee. I almost wish DaCosta was like the villain here coming for revenge on Waltfelt. <laughs> he would be way better than Captain Beardy. You mean like for Waltfelt? Yeah, that, that is what I meant. I do like what ends up happening with DaCosta when he returns, but... It would be it would be immediately more interesting. Although I do kind of like the launch sequence for the dins out of the out of the sub because we don't actually really get to see how the how the goons and stuff launch. It's kind of like torpedo tubes, honestly. Although you'd think that you'd have to actually surface in order to launch them. I believe they do. Yeah. Every time we've seen the launch, they're surface. So I think they're planning to surface, and then they realize there are planes above us, and they're like, okay. "What?" I, I wasn't sure just because they said ascend. They didn't say surface. So meanwhile, uh, somehow, Moo and Kigali have found the submarine underwater. And Moo's like, let's go, girl. And she's like, Kigali. <laughs> Not Kigali-chan. Not Kigali-sama. Kigali. And the submarine is like, evade missiles. And they're like, too late. One misses. Probably Kigali's. But let's give her the benefit <laughs> of the doubt and say she was actually helpful here. It and didn't even look like she fired one. So now they have to surface and send out the dead. So, But they have to surface, presumably, because they're taking on water. Mm -hmm. So... The two Skygraspers circle around, and Kigali's like, I'm going to fly low with the submarine that's about to surface. And Moo's like, watch out for the submarine that's about to surface. And she's like, it's fine. Oh, the submarine surfaced. <laughs> yeah, again, it feels like they forgot she was she's piloted this thing before. Again, she wasn't great then, but she seems real green here. In a way, she didn't the first And time. more arrogant than we've kind of seen her in these kind of things before. Because she's yelling at Moo for basically calling her on stupidity. 
Yeah. Yeah. Although they also gave Moo the much better weapon here. Yeah, so. Moo has the striker pack on, or the launcher striker pack on, which means he has the big fuck off gun. <laughs> so <laughs> he shoots the submarine and it goes down. If you only have one pack to give to one of your pilots, who gets the big fuck off gun? Yeah, no, the give your better experienced pilot or the greenhorn. Yeah, the, the better pilot is going to make better use of it. Although, but. is the ale strike just broken right now? It did get like cut up by <laughs> Waltfeld. Presumably, but yeah, does Kakali even have a pack on? No, she doesn't. She just has the base Sky Grasper. So they destroy the submarine, but is it one or two of the dens get out? Just one. And then we get this cut to a goon, like as the Sky Grasper flies over, shooting up, which I do like. I thought it was a a two front attack, though. It looks like a goon is coming to shoot up the Sky Grasper. It's a little confusing. I think that's intentional, but it does speak to the break pace, breakneck pace of this episode I keep talking about, and how it's just going a little too fast. So the uh, underside of the Archangel takes some missiles. Uh, and the are like, where's my bodyguard? Where's my strike not here? And Sai, who gets to be used to it, is like, man, if only we could hit it with the cannons on the top. And Maru's like, got it. And I talked about this last episode because I thought this part had already happened. But he's like, hey, uh, Ensign, let's do a barrel roll. I like me some Star Fox. <laughs> is this actually a barrel roll? It's actually a barrel roll. They actually move sideways while rotating. And, he, and he's like, what? And the Tara's like, what? And she's like, well, our big guns will be pointed at them. Don't miss. <laughs> yeah, and Nataro's like, I like the way you think. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, not going to be a problem then. And his head to love, he just comes on the radar. Um, we're about to do a barrel roll. And you see a guy who looks like a flight attendant wheeling snacks <laughs> through. Goodbye. And then I love Flay's reaction. It was like, please, no. <laughs> Well, so I love that the uh, mechanics down in the hangar are like, what? A barrel roll? That's a bad idea. And then they don't find anything to hang on to. They have... One of them does. They have like 30 seconds of warning and Murdoch's just like, I have nothing to hold on to. I'm like, just going to say... gravity exists, right? They dropped their water <laughs> bottle that one time. Murdoch even specifically says, you know gravity exists, right? While he's not hanging on to <laughs> it's anything. It's still going to... Uh, it's one of those situations where... It- Really is going to hurt for the mechanics more so than anybody else. Because they have that two-story drop. They're not strapped in or anything like that, even if they are hanging on to like something. you would, like, put, like, some safety belts on the wall or something for the mechanics for situations Well, like even that. for zero-g, yeah. in case of impact. Yeah. I love how, like, this is when Maru decides to put on her seatbelt. It's a great visual, but I do <laughs> like the idea, like, I don't need to wear it in a battle. But if we're going to flip around. And it is a really cool shot. Flay <laughs> is so good. Like, you can't help but sympathize with her. She's like, <laughs> clinging onto her bedpost. Her makeup is falling off her shelf. I, her expression is just great because it's this abject terror that I think all of us would be having. And just that muttering of, wait, hang on. No, no, no. Bad idea. Bad idea. Stop, 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 stop. Well, she's already feeling queasy. And now the ship's rolling over. <laughs> it's really hard not to feel bad for her here. <laughs> And the animation, they're abusing CGI a little bit, but I do like it. And see, one of the mechanics is, like, hanging onto a rope. Murdoch's just sliding across <laughs> the floor. And then the goon, like, pops up to shoot missile gear. like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets shot in. <laughs> and they shoot another one, too. And then it completes its roll. Which, uh, also, the roll is a little fast. I think that's just an animation problem. That's got to be difficult to animate. Uh, it does end up looking pretty cool, but the the second half of the roll looks really rushed. Yeah, it does. So then we cut back to uh, Kira fighting the Zono. <laughs> and he's like, hey, where's my backup? Why is their ship not destroyed? As Kira 
kind of jams the sword through the arm. It looks like it should come off, and it doesn't, which is kind of disappointing. It, that would add a lot of dynamism to this also, fight. It looks like it got him right in the like in a shoulder Short, joint. Yeah, yeah but, which is and getting sword stuck there is actually a real historical problem. So, and I mean, it makes sense that it wouldn't actually take it off because the blade isn't actually turned on. He's basically just swinging around a big chunk of metal. True, a sharpened chunk of metal. It's basically got a harpoon on it, but, yeah. or a bayonet. I, I actually thought it was a Gundam whaling harpoon for a while, <laughs> so. So then uh, the Zono grabs uh, the strike. He's like, I'm crushing your head. I'm crushing your head. And also I have lasers. <laughs> and Kira's like, oh, no, I'm this close. And then Kira pushes the magic knives button and just pulls out his knives and stabs the guy in the lasers and he explodes. And I really don't like this end of this fight. It's just too fast. It's too fast and too easy. It's too fast, it's too easy, and like we've already established, you stick the knives in a thing and it explodes, but I feel like they've already done the coolest thing they can with the knives in the Waltfelt fight, so them coming up again just feels kind of eh. Like maybe Kigali, this can't happen for reasons we'll get to later, maybe Kigali could have showed up and thrown another anti-submarine missile down and made up for her useless earlier, because the strike's got phase shift armor, it should be fine. That's actually a really good idea. In fact, or Mu showed up or something yeah. like that. So no, in fact, just, the Archangel could have even fired on them. Yeah, using the using the knives again is just—it's lazy. It's yeah, it's lazy. It's too quick. It doesn't really work. Bye, Captain Beardo. Nobody loved you. I do love <laughs> Kira grabbing him by like the scuba mask thing and kicking him off. That is a cool shot. But yeah, just it's not great. And Kira doesn't even feel remorse about this guy's death. Neither no do cares we. About Captain Beardo. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh. Some cool dogfighting shots of Moo trying to take on some Dins, which basically exists for Skygrass for the fight. But uh, Kigali keeps getting in his line of fire and somehow not getting shot down. But he's like, hey, stop getting in the way. And she's like, what? And then her navigation systems go out. Yeah, she takes a hit and Moo's like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah, it was just my navigation unit. I'll be fine. I just lost the mini map. He's <laughs> like, go back. You are not helping. Which, again, is just kind of too bad. Because Kigali is such a strong character, and we've already established earlier with uh, like Kira slapping her and like, what can you do when your only weapon is your feelings? I do like the idea of Kigali becoming, you know, more competent after that, becoming the Skygrasper pilot. It's kind of too bad that here all she does is get in the way. Well, yeah, she's I even mean, mildly useful the last time she was in a Skygrasper, so that's... Well, part of the problem is this is kind of a dogfight, and she's not true. trained as a wingman, because realistically... I guess she's good as, at as, shooting moving or stationary targets. As, as a wing, runs. as a wingman, she would just be right on top of him, yeah. more more or less. But she keeps, she's not disciplined enough or well trained enough to actually stay with him. So she's just kind of all over the place. That's fair. I just from like a writing uh, point of view, it's too bad that they kind of make her. No, I, I get so, where you're coming from. I'm just kind of especially explaining with her, it. Her making fun of the like. Archangel kids earlier for never shooting a gun and stuff like that. Uh huh. So she's like, "Yeah, go home, Kali. Go home, girl. I don't. You don't get a name." She's like, "Okay, fine." And then Moo proceeds to finish off that din like no problems. Just does it. So uh, meanwhile, on the plane, Atherin comes up. Is like, "Yo, sup?" And like, "Uh, there's like a fight going on here. That's weird. We we better not get involved in that. That would suck. We don't have any ghouls." Yep. And <laughs> Atherin's like, "My plot senses are tingling." Yeah, he's like. This is, something's going to happen. So then a cool shot of Mu uh, diving basically on a din and taking out with the big cannon. Always cool. I kind of like that shot because he comes out of the sun. Yeah. Right on top of it. Makes Mu seem cool. And anything that makes Mu seem cool is something we're going to like. Meanwhile, Kagali can't find the Archangel because her navigation unit's broken. But she does find the uh, Zaf transport that Atherin is on. 
And they're like, what? We should, using our immortality to our advantage, how could we be so foolish? <laughs> and I do really like that Kigali is like upset by finding it, but she's like, the, what I have to do is take it out because if it's reinforcements, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. I do really like this assessment, at least. It makes sense. It's, it's an intelligent enough assessment given her information. And uh, meanwhile, the pilots of the transport also make a decision. They're like, hey, Atherd, uh, go get in your mobile suit so we can at least drop the cargo if, if we get shot down. Yeah, it's all around. It's fairly an intelligent situation. So we're leading to a contrived situation where Atherd and Kigali are going to get together. But they do a pretty good job setting up the pieces. That might be my biggest problem with this episode. Really, it's to put pieces on the board where they want them. And they do it well enough, but it's the other stuff isn't interesting around that. Yeah. And this shot, I just want to pause on. It's just Atherin kind of looking concerned for a moment, weighing what he should do. Just because I play a lot of Gundam card games, for some reason, every Atherin Zelda card is this <laughs> shot. And I don't get it. <laughs> it's either this one or this super off model shot uh, drawing of him with his nose looking super sinister. <laughs> that makes him look like he's the villain. So anyway, uh, Atherin pauses for a moment and then uh, goes to jump in the Aegis. Why, uh, Kigali gets shot down, but manages to, in turn, shoot her laser and take down the plane. But they do say, hey, we can escape after we lighten our cargo load. So bye, Atherin, have fun. <laughs> We're dumping you like a sack of hot bricks. Also, I just noticed that the Aegis has, like, fold-out toe pieces. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> it probably needs them for, like, its transformation that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, uh, K- Kigali is going down, she skids on the water over to an island. Awful lucky that was there, since it didn't look like there was anything on the horizon. Nope. Uh, so we then, like, some time passes. Kigali wakes up. I do really like her reaction, where she's, like, patting herself down, like, oh my god, I didn't die. I'm not drowning. Also, I like how they gave them helmets, but, like, she's not wearing a flight suit or anything, so the helmet's basically useless. And it still acts as a helmet. That is true. Probably could have saved her life here. So she starts trying to radio the Archangel, but her radio's dead. Dun-dun-dun. So she uh, jumps out of the plane to go to the island. Uh, a wave grabs her backpack somehow. You'd think she would have like, attached that to her arm or something. Or on her back or <laughs> something. <laughs> Instead, she just dumps it out in the water next to her. And, uh... Bye, supplies. Although, to be fair, she's surprisingly calm about the fact that she's like, well, that sucked. Well, yeah, yeah, we don't know, do really anything know about it. There, if there's any rations or if it's just like a bag full of ammo. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks all the way across the island and it's like, man, this is small and uninhabited and... This sucks. Yes. But then uh, when she gets to the other side, she sees uh, the Aegis, which it, she knows is one of the mobile suits that Zaf stole. And then she sees a Zaf soldier. And she has the high ground, so she be- jumps, grabs her gun, jumps to slide down, and starts shooting. That seems like trying to shoot while sliding, although she does score a glancing blow on Atherin's arm, which is the only shot you can hit on main characters. So Atherin dives her cover, and he's got a real worried look. It's a very nice piece of art, and we see a nice cut of how far away Atherin's gun is as it kind of gleams in the sunlight as the ending credit music comes up. And he's like, well, this is inconvenient, and Kigali's, like, approaching cautiously. I love how she does things in the usual backwards order. She opens fire, then while firing, <laughs> yells freeze. <laughs> well, she, she knows you don't uh, let them give a chance. He, he's a Captain America. I didn't do my spiel at the beginning, but she knows he's a Captain America, and if he she yells freeze, he'll throw his shield at her, disarming her, and then go for his gun. So yeah, yeah, that's the episode. I do like where it gets us, even though I don't like the episode itself, because what this series is really good at is character interaction. And Atherin and Kigali have been teased to interact in the opening scene since the first episode, but we haven't seen it at all. It also kind of nicely echoes Lacus getting captured, or not captured, 
but rescued by the Archangel. Capture so I, rescued. So I do like what it sets up, but man, are the combat scenes not very good. Yeah, and this one also doesn't have a great deal of actual character interactions between each other. There's a little and, uh, or, Kira, there's a little Moo and uh, Maru at the start. But not but... really anything that's overly interesting in and of itself. Kigali and Atherin, I wouldn't necessarily refer to Kigali shooting at Atherin as actual interaction. No, no, that's, no. They're setting it up. They're not here yet. Another thing I noticed, this has maybe been happening the entire time, but the next times uh, for the original and HD diff version are very different. Like, the original is very, very tense, and I guess the HD episode more gives away what's going to happen. So that's episode 23. Tyler, what did you think? Um, it was pretty meh. <laughs> um, I mean, I, despite the amount of shit we gave it, I do actually like the Zeno. Really? Yeah, I like the design, but I, I really liked the original Mobile Suit Gundam design that it's based on. So, I, I like mean, the Extendo arms and laser hands. I'm not a big fan of it. I it's think too if, bulky. I like the bulk of it. I think if it had had a better fight scene, I would... Or if it was piloted it. by someone we cared about. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it just strikes me as something that's entirely unnecessary. Neither like, I mean, the goons are probably going to be fine if you need something for the water. It just seems like they wanted to add another thing for the sake of selling a model. Yeah, kind of. And I'm I'm okay with throwing a couple designs in. It does add some visual interest to the fight scene, but it's not a very good fight scene. Nah. So I also feel like it's maybe just a callback to the original Gundam, which obviously this series is very... Yeah, but for the, they usually do so much better with it. Yeah. It just seemed like a way for them to kind of show the sword strike again and then praise the knives. <laughs> Yay, knives. <laughs> knives are better than swords. That is what we're learning from this. They're also better than hand claws and lasers and missiles. What else have they beaten? Machine um, guns. Yeah, machine guns, tiger face <laughs> lasers. <laughs> um all right, so high points. Tyler, do you have a high point? You're probably giving me an unfair advantage by letting me go first, but the barrel roll to laser face. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't have much character interaction, but Flay's not interaction, but her moment is amazing. And that barrel roll gag, for lack of a better term, is real good, but it doesn't save the episode, unfortunately. No, I was thinking... If the underwater fight was better, really then it would be... Really, the problem is the fight between Kira and Captain Beardo, right? The sub stuff with Mu and Kigali is fine. Where the episode ends is a pretty tense cliffhanger. Atherin's, like, New Deal is interesting, but the fight stuff just isn't. Zach, you have a high point? Mu diving out of the sun on the, on the din. That is pretty good. I really like that kind of stuff, especially because people taking it into account. And the, the din's moment right before it of shading the camera to try and get a look at him as he was coming in. It's a very good movement. It is indeed a very good movement. So I'm going to say where we end the episode. I think it's a very nice cliffhanger. I think we get to see Kigali be more of a foot soldier, and I think that's maybe where her strength lies more. We get to see Atherin do some of that, or we will soon. I really like the like expression on Atherin's face. It, it's, you know, it's a bit of a contrived situation, but it's an interesting situation. I was honestly expecting one or the other of them to uh, flash four years later with a beach volleyball. and. <laughs> Golly, I just thought you were a volleyball I made up the entire time. <laughs> I thought that too, Atherin. <laughs> wow. Or to like to have the Archangel come up on them and they're both wearing like beach clothes for no apparent reason and like just sit sitting around sipping Mai Tais. So low points, Tyler. <laughs> At the bar. I would actually have to say the awkward off-model animation in the hallway early <laughs> on between Mu and Maru. That's a pretty good one. All right, not what I was expecting. Zach. The knives coming out again. Yeah. Again, if you did something new with them, maybe, but I feel like I talked about it when it happened. That feels like it should be the final thing to strike Gundam. 
And it feels like that should get the strike and then destroyed because it's a callback. It's a real cool moment. And even in the last episode, the knives got used, but they were used like to hang on to things. I mean, they which were is used new and interesting. They were used in an interesting way in the episode prior, but this one they're just yeah. Uh, it's just, just another thought. time where he has stabbed something with the knives he and they've the exploded. Stab with knives button and then he won. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and like that was cool the first time because it was kind of a desperate situation. That's all he had. And then in the fight with Walfelt, again, Walfelt he, he did has. it again. Power. But in this one, it's just like, oh wait. The knives are deus ex machina. Yeah. Okay. Like, even the Vulcans being shot from close range would have been cooler. To take, like, at least pop the laser. Well, I really like the idea of asking for the Archangel or one of the Sky Graspers to fire on him, knowing that he's probably going to survive the shot while his less well-armored opponent wouldn't. Like, that's a cool idea. I hope they do it sometime. Yeah, use the... um, They kind of did it in the first Andrew Welfelt fight. I guess the Bakus were in Welfelt. Use the sledgehammers or something like that while they're underwater? Yeah, something. All right, so one more order of business. we got to put the Zono on the, our mobile <laughs> list. But you can find at our website, www.lasttimeonvideogames.com, ranking what we think of the mobile suits. I think the important question, I guess, is do we think it's better or worse than the Goon? I actually like the design a bit more than the Goon. It's kind of fat, but it doesn't have that awkward head. I like the claws. I like the weaponage on it. It seems a little more original. I I like to like the coloring a bit more. I don't think it's a great mobile suit, but I think it's a little better than the goon. What I just really don't like the goon. No, yeah. neither do I. Yeah, the so, goon's pretty lame. Um, I'd put the Zeno over the top of it. I like the claw hands. I've I've always had a thing with them ever since I saw the what the gog or, or yeah. No, I'm thinking of the mining one. Oh, the act guy. Yep, that's it. It's very big. It's very bulky, and it's actually kind of cool in its own right, especially in an overpowering sense. But I mean, I know I mentioned otherwise I don't really like it because it's big. It is kind of a fat thing that I don't really like the barrel chest on it. It looks like it would only work underwater, right? Yeah, and that's that's kind of my problem with that is that it's it looks like it's too specialized. So do we think it's better than the gin? No, no, I like like the gin fairly well. Okay, the Zeno goes. Above the goon, but below the gin, then. The gin is just a really nice design. Yeah, it's, it's one of the pretty few solid. prone sites I actually like more than the Zoc. Yeah. All right, that should do it for this episode. Uh, next week, we'll be watching the real episode 24, War for Two. Ah, yeah. I see what they did there. Get, get some <laughs> OHMS team up in here. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I like that series. It's good. <laughs> and anything else we want to say? The series takes like a slight uptick here and then kind of, it, it's kind of on a wave graph here until it starts to climb up. I'm just yeah, saying, the next that. episode teaser gave us some Kigali fan service, and oh, I'm yeah. not sure that's anything that anyone was asking for. The question is, do you really think the show will not do it? I mean, were you really expecting the show to not give you Kigali fan service? Yes, yes, I was expecting it not to. She's the only girl who hasn't gotten fan service yet. Well, okay. What, Nataral? Yeah, Nataral's pretty, uh... Chaste. Uh, isn't the right word. Non-sexualized? I think we've gotten one from Nataral already. I could be wrong, though. We got Marielle in the shower. I don't think we've gotten anything for Nataro. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, Maru every single opening. <laughs> Poor Maru. All right, so catch us next time. Bye. No. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
A girl? <sighs> That's right! I'm a girl! What is it with you men? I never heard a soldier scream like that on the battlefield. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019.